From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Welcome you to this broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. As we begin this new year, we invite you to hear Dr. Cairns as he continues a series of studies in the earthly life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that focus on the Savior Himself, as revealed in His teaching and miracles, His atoning death on the cross, and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text comes from Jonah, chapter 2, verse 9. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is the work of God. It is He alone who quickens the soul dead in trespasses and sins, and it is He also who maintains the soul in spiritual life. He is both Alpha and Omega. Salvation is of the Lord. If I am prayerful, God makes me prayerful. If I have graces, they are God's gifts to me. If I hold on in a consistent life, it is because He upholds me with His own hand. I do nothing whatever towards my own preservation, except what God Himself first does in me. Whatever I have, all of my goodness is of the Lord alone, wherein I sin that is my own. But wherein I act rightly, that is of God, wholly and completely. If I have repulsed a spiritual enemy, the Lord's strength nerved my arm. Do I live before men a consecrated life? It is not I, but Christ who liveth in me. Am I sanctified? I did not cleanse myself. God's Holy Spirit sanctifies me. Am I weaned from the world? I am weaned by God's chastisement sanctified to my good. Do I grow in knowledge? The great instructor teaches me. All my jewels were fashioned by heavenly art. I find in God all that I want, but I find in myself nothing but sin and misery. He only is my rock and my salvation. Do I feed on the word? That word would be no food for me unless the Lord made it food for my soul and helped me to feed upon it. Do I live on the manna which comes down from heaven? What is that manna but Jesus Christ himself incarnate, whose body and whose blood I eat and drink? Am I continually receiving fresh increase of strength? Where do I gather my might? My help cometh from heaven's hills. Without Jesus I can do nothing. As a branch cannot bring forth fruit, except it abide in the vine, no more can I, except I abide in him. What Jonah learned in the great deep, 
Let me learn this morning in my closet. Salvation is of the Lord. Regular Bible reading is an essential part of the Christian life. In the Holy Scriptures, God has given us everything we need to know for salvation, for spiritual growth, and for the many issues and problems that believers face. However, many Christians do not profit from the Bible as they should because they have no guidance as to how to study it. Several ministers of the Free Presbyterian Church, including Dr. Alan Cairns, produced a brief but very helpful brochure called Ten Commandments of Bible Study, which will help you to gain much blessing from your time in the Holy Scriptures. The method is designed to help believers achieve a comprehensive knowledge of the chapter contents of the Scriptures and to enable them to use that knowledge to guide and quicken them in their personal prayer lives. For a free copy of Ten Commandments of Bible Study, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. You may call us, if you wish, at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. Or if you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Increase your knowledge of God's Word 
by requesting your free copy of Ten Commandments of Bible Study. As Dr. Cairns continues this series of studies in the life and earthly ministry of Christ, he continues a message entitled, A Glimpse of the Glory of Christ. The text is found in Luke chapter 8, verses 28 through 36, the record of Christ's transfiguration on the mount. Only three of the disciples were given the privilege of seeing Christ as he was transformed, giving them a preview of the glory that would accompany his resurrection and ascension. As Dr. Cairns has already emphasized, those who would see the glory of Christ must get alone with him, apart from the distractions of the world. Now Dr. Cairns brings the next portion of this message, a glimpse of the glory of Christ. It's never easy to ascend to the Mount of Prayer. There's a thousand reasons why you've got to stay behind in the valley. There are many things there to engage your attention. But, oh, to get there is well worth the effort. For it's there, alone with him, you see his glory. You'll never see the glory of Christ amidst the tinsel and the glitter of the world. Haven't you often heard when there's been going to be some spectacular show in the heavens? that the astronomers will tell you, if you want to see this, get away out from the city, leave the lights of man's devising behind you, get out into the open country where you can see the glory of the heavens in all their purity without the false light of man's devising, dimming your view. I want to tell you that's even more true concerning Christ than any planetary phenomenon. To see Christ get away from the glitter and the so-called glamour of the world 
to get alone with him, you'll see his glory. You'll not see it amid the mad pursuits of time. There is still a place. There is a place of quiet rest. It's near to the heart of God. We get so busy. These things are very important. We need more money. So we need more hours to do more work, to buy more things, to need even more money, requiring even more hours, requiring even more work. Before we know it, the time of secret fellowship with Christ has gone. You never see the Lord's glory living like that. I could go on when you get there. That's when you begin to learn. You learn things in a theology class or a Bible class, and they'll touch your head. But if you want to learn with the learning of grace and of faith, you'll learn it only as you get alone with Christ. As I say, I've only touched it. I encourage you to give this your attention and study devotionally this passage of uh, the Lord's Word concerning the transfiguration. But I can't pursue such a line any further because I, I need to look at the place of this wonderful event in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've said that we cannot explain the miracle, but we can certainly state it. So we're going to look first at what happened on the mount. Each of the what are called the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Each of them gives us his account of the Mount of Transfiguration and what happened there. Now, we know from combining these three narratives that uh, six days after that vital conversation that Christ had with his disciples at Caesarea Philippi, you remember he said to them, Whom do men say that I am? And they came up with all the false answers that the people were giving. And then he said, Whom say ye that I am? And Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And uh, Jesus immediately said that, uh, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And he said, I say that you are Peter, and upon this rock, I take it to be this rock of this confession of Christ, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He immediately went on to tell of how he must go up to Jerusalem and be afflicted and made to suffer and then put to death, and finally rise again from the dead. Peter was greatly grieved and said, uh, Lord, don't let it be. That be far from you. May God of mercy and protect you from that. Jesus immediately said, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Now, that's the conversation. He went on, of course, in the light of that, to give a warning regarding those who would be ashamed of him, especially because he was going to the cross. And he warned them that if you're ashamed of me, then I'll be ashamed of you. 
They asked the question, what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Now, that's an overview of the conversation. Six days later, after that conversation at Caesarea Philippi, he set out with Peter, James, and John to ascend Mount Hermon. I've said it was a long journey. You will see how long it was, how arduous it was from this simple fact. We are told by Matthew and Mark that it was six days after that conversation he took them. Luke tells us it was eight days after these sayings. There's no difficulty. Matthew and Mark tell us when he set out. Luke tells us when he actually arrived and took them to the top of the mount into this experience. The Lord Jesus went there to pray. But man, this was a time of prayer, the like of which he himself even had not experienced in his earthly ministry. He was transformed. The word transfigured means he was transformed. He was changed. His face was changed so that it was a glow. We have read that the fashion of his countenance, that simply means the appearance of his face was altered. Even his clothing, if time permits, I'll have something to say about that later. There's a good reason for the emphasis on the clothing. Even his clothing was suffused with dazzling glory. The text of the three Gospels would lead us to believe that it was dazzling with a brightness that flashed like lightning. That's what was happening. He was not alone. With him were Moses and Elias, or Elijah. And they conversed with Christ, and they spoke of his decease. We take the word deceased to mean death, and it is that, but it's more than that. The Greek word is exodus, to put it in its English form. But decease is simply the Latin equivalent. A decesus is an exodus. It is exactly the same meaning. It is not only a death, but it is a death that he had to fulfill. That's the word. Or accomplish. Complete and finish at Jerusalem. Now, in the midst of all this, with Christ glowing, the lightning flashing, Moses and Elias talking, the disciples fell asleep. That may seem incredible, but uh, just remember what I've emphasized on the physical level, that they had journeyed long and hard, and I have no doubt they were physically wearied. 
However, we're still a little surprised because I'm sure you felt many a time when you were physically exhausted, something happens, you have an adrenaline rush, you, you're suddenly excited, and sleep is gone. But it didn't happen here. I think that uh, as happened later in the Garden of Gethsemane, there was more than the physical involved, and I think that you'll find this yourself when any time you're about to do deep business with God, that's the time more than ever that you'll fall asleep or feel like falling asleep. That's a time when the devil will attack. That's a time when the flesh will go to war against the Spirit. And certainly it was happening here. But when they were fully awake, and that's the force of the word, when they were awake, when they were fully awake, then they saw and heard things that they could never have dreamed of. I can, I must say, I can uh, sympathize with Peter. Peter was always first to open his mouth. Often he said wonderful things like he did at Caesarea Philippi. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. A few minutes later, he had to be rebuked. Get thee behind me, Satan. You don't savor the things that be of God. Here he makes an ignorant suggestion. Says, Lord, it's good to be here. Well, that's true. But let's make three tabernacles. One for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you. And the answer came swiftly. Not from Christ, but from the Father. And he, overshadowing them with a cloud so that they feared, said, This is my beloved Son. This is my beloved son, not Moses, who is my servant, not Elijah, who is my prophet of fire, but this is my beloved son, hear him. And when they looked up out of that glorious cloud, they saw no man save Jesus only. Now, when you look at that, you find that I turned to the valley and in the light of that experience, they journeyed on with Christ toward Calvary. Now, I don't know how much detail I'm going to pursue here. Time will tell. But I want you to look at that, what happened, and think of the change that took place in Christ. Verse 29, as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistering. The appearance of his face was altered. The word altered is simply the word different. Or the word other. Other of a different kind. His appearance was different. Matthew and Mark used the word it was transfigured. The Greek verb is the word that gives us the English verb metamorphosed. It was a metamorphosis. Now, in that word, there is the idea of an emphasis on a new condition or a new state. Something entirely other, something entirely different, as Luke puts it, from what went before. This was glory. They had seen Christ in his humiliation. They had seen Christ weary with the journey sitting by the well. They had seen Christ hungry. They had seen Christ weeping. They had seen Christ walking as the God-man, but nonetheless as a man in his humiliation. 
They'd heard him talk about suffering. They'd heard him talk about a cross and the tomb, and they were perplexed by these things. Now they get a glimpse of something utterly different. They see his glory. This for them was a preview of the glory that came with the resurrection and the ascension. You remember what Paul wrote to the Hebrews in Hebrews 2.9? He says, we see Jesus crowned with glory and honor. That's as he is now. They saw him then, the glory of heaven. This must have been truly a wonderful sight. I would not be dogmatic, but I would tend to believe that the cloud that came down upon the mount was something in the order of the cloud that overshadowed the tabernacle, that it was the cloud of the Shekinah glory of God. Do you see what is happening? We have the glory of God the Son on earth. We have the glory of God the Father from heaven. Now, Let me make a distinction here. The Shekinah glory belongs to deity. It is the expression in a form that man can be impressed by of the absolute perfections of eternal deity. And that's why these people feared so vastly as the cloud came upon them. I don't think these men would have feared simply at an ordinary black cloud falling on top of a mountain. But the cloud of the glory of God's perfections scared them. Now the glory that filled the face of Christ was not the glory of essential deity. It was the glory of the acceptance of and the exaltation of Christ because of all his righteousness in life and his victory in death. It is the glory of Christ the mediator. It is the glory of Christ the God-man. It is the glory of his accomplishments that they saw. listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We are here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, 
www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we let the Bible speak.